Hey girlies, welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies. Whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a problematic fave, or just something that needs to be urgently discussed or you'll die, we're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I'm the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. I just got a text from my mom (laughs) being like... (laughs) You are under tornado warning. You are under derecho <laughs> warning. 90 mile per hour winds expected. Um, I'm not taking this out. I haven't even introduced my guest yet, but joining me today is a true rodeo queen, a dear friend, <laughs> Roz Kutch. Roz, what do you think about this uh, this insane weather update that we've just received? Okay, so I've never been in a tornado before. <laughs> Should oh my I be God. concerned? <laughs> yeah I mean I so I've been in enough I spent enough summers in the Midwest to know my way around a tornado at this point but while you were out of town a few weekends ago we had a tornado one Monday night that I it it looks it has the exact same like sepia tint to it as the beginning of Wizard of Oz like that's what a tornado looks like like it's green out here Wait, like there was an actual tornado. Like it happened. Yeah, it went down the Dan Ryan. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense because I got a text from my neighbor while I was back home away from Chicago. Mm-hmm. And the text was like, if you need to come to my apartment, let me know. Mm-hmm. I know it's scary on the top floor. Come to my apartment. <laughs> and I never, <laughs> I never checked back in. <laughs> Wait, I, I mean, that's a crazy text to get out of context, but like, what if he thinks he just like blew away? I haven't run into him since, so it's, it's very Oh my horrible. God, he like, you're, they're like missing flyers and like somewhere else in Hyde Park being like, have you seen this <laughs> Like, oh my God, it is, it is scary to do it in an apartment though. Like I don't have... Like my entire apartment is windows. So like you can't really stay away from windows <laughs> in that event. And I don't really have like an interior wall. So I was just camped on my bathtub for a good 45 minutes. Oh my God. Would it have I'm done scared. anything? I mean, I'm on the seventh floor. Like it's, it's a little, That's a little fair. scary. That's fair. Um, so we may, this may be like Twister. Like we, we might be podding through <laughs> a severe weather Wait, can event. We, can we make this a storm chasing podcast? I think yeah <laughs> like like we're running around with the mic outside like <laughs> trying to trying to trace everything that would like if I'm ever gonna get a Pulitzer it'll be for something like that like crisis drink but make it tornado edition <laughs> tornado like Jim did you ever watch um oh I don't remember what the show was called but there was like a scary storm show on weather channel like the actual channel itself hosted by a bald man named Jim Cantori. And when I was like eight, I thought Jim Cantori was like the coolest person ever because he would just go to hurricane sites and like look around at the debris and be like, and like be like, how did we get to this point? (laughs) And I I wanted to do that (laughs) as someone who often is like tisking things and being like, how do we get to this point? Like, I do remember... Like, I have been to Disney World one time in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, my parents are not Disney people. We went once. And all I remember from that experience is not, like, the joy and the animals and the, like, pictures. It was, like, there was a tornado ride, like, where you would go in and then they would simulate a tornado. Oh, my God. And they would, like, blow out the windows and, like, massive gale force winds would come at you. And I was, like, this is fun <laughs> yeah like how yeah how is that fun for people how did people not get like broken glass everywhere it was wild I was like eight I don't know <laughs> that's the kind of thing like I wouldn't have been able to do that ride both because it sounds like a safety hazard but I had glasses until I was 14 and that's like the kind of thing you cannot have your glasses on for I'm sure like <laughs> oh my god that is actually 
And also, who's that fun for? I don't know. Probably Storm Chasers. <laughs> yeah. I, Disney has some weird rides. Like, did you ever go on um, Hess Track, I think it's called? Like the, where it like simulates how car companies safety test their cars. <laughs> what? No. Well, so in hindsight, I'm now re- just now realizing that this is an ad for like General Motors or something. Like that's what this ride was. But you would get into this kind of like car shell. Like it wasn't an actual like car, but it was a roller coaster car that was looked like just like a framework of car, like all aluminum. And it would take you on like cone tests, like on the track where you would be like, zooting around like these little orange cones for mobility purposes and then it would go like like bumpy over these tracks for the suspension you see and then it would accelerate at 60 miles per hour if not faster towards a solid concrete wall and that was the thrill you thought in that moment i'm about to perish in like a horrible james manfield or jane manfield car crash like very bad and then the wall goes up and then it's done. And that's this the ride. Is a Disney ride? It, that was I, a Disney it might ride. be, it might be Epcot, but yes, it is, it is a Disney ride. Like what what happened to us in our childhood that like <laughs> this is what we took part in? And all of that is in service of like hopefully you might buy a Chevrolet 20 years down the road. <laughs> like it's country. it's we we live in a very sick sick nation um in many ways but it could it could maybe be healed with our next game so ross <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna play go call the governor i'm going to present you with three cultural scenarios from recent and or ancient history and you're going to decide whether or not the governor needs to be called no wrong answers here but your choice is binary does the governor need to be called or not any questions Love it. i'm ready okay. all right first scenario the minions does the governor <laughs> need to be called um oh this is tough okay i would say i would say no the governor does not need to be called because <laughs> i think there was a point in time like a couple of years ago when everyone was dressing up like a minion for Halloween, like it yeah. was everywhere. Dogs are minions, people were minions. It was like, it was like too much. I think that is when <laughs> we needed to call the governor. Since then, I would say we have a healthy relationship as a society to <laughs> the minions. Yeah. Like, I think it's only improved. Have you seen the um, the plane that keeps flying the minion banner by our apartments over the lake? <laughs> no, what does it say? So I work I work from my desk and I like look out over the lake and every day for the past two weeks, multiple times a day, this plane has flown by like with a banner for the new Minions movie, uh, Rise of Gru. And it's just like a minion going like, kind of like, Oda least like sexy pose and I've it's very comforting to see it like it is like it's become a daily routine and the minion didn't come today and it made me feel really sad <laughs> see I think that's healthy I think yeah. that's okay <laughs> just kind of like the minions like lurk in the background of American society without ever I yeah. I, I guess yeah I don't know I, like they're, I they're there you... we look forward to a new movie every once in a while they're silly. Yeah. It's, it's okay. We're okay with them. Did, have you ever seen a Minions movie? Yes. I saw the first one. And then I'm pretty sure I saw the second one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I've only seen the first one. Like Despicable Me, the first one. But now they like the Minions have become like the star of the show. Yeah. Yeah. And rightfully so, honestly. I do think... I'm also out of the phase of like babysitting. Like yeah. I think when I was babysitting and like children were obsessed with minions, I was like, okay, this this needs to go. This is this is too much. Like when people start talking like minions, I'm like, no, I can't. Yeah, <laughs> I can't do I, it. That, that's a little too silly for me. Like, 
I kind of, I do get the appeal, like, as someone who's, if I had to pick two pieces of, like, deeply formative culture that have shaped my entire sensibility, one of those two would be Looney Tunes, and the Minions do feel like our century's answer to, like, a Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck kind of thing, like, that, like, physical comedy, yeah, slapsticky. it's funny, but, like, it doesn't have, like, the wit <laughs> looks funny like, looney tunes <laughs> yeah no like you you go back and you watch some of those old looney tunes cartoons and like the the verbal jokes are so funny and so um it's kind of shocking what they got past like censors because oh, they're yeah. pretty some of it's pretty it's pretty racy <laughs> like, not to sound like my granddad but like it is it's but like the minions don't have that sense of like true like transgression but it yeah. is very oh, I they're mean, cute they're fun firm believer that like animation's gotten better i do not think writing has gotten better no <laughs> i rewatched emperor's new groove like mm-hmm. somewhat recently like maybe a year ago and i think to this day i think that is the best piece of animated work mm-hmm. of our time it's a fantastic <laughs> movie like it's so good mm -hmm. I I read somewhere recently that why am I even telling the story because I truly only know like the vague outlines and none of the details but like apparently that movie was supposed to be a completely different story somehow and then they changed it around last minute that could mean anything this that 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 like like nothing about what I just said is like truly meaningful or relevant in any way but like put someone just go look like go read like it, it was not supposed to be about a llama I think what is what it was supposed to be okay the jokes are just so good like they're just so fantastic. funny Yzma so, okay. iconic maybe the best Disney villain like so fun I think or yeah. Ursula they're both just like kind of sexy, kind of funny. Like, yeah, great. like glam. Like for a, like a little gay kid looking at Ursula or Isma or Cruella Deville, like that was a very like that kind of um, dangerous woman, <laughs> dangerous older older woman. That was I think like there's a direct line between me liking Isma and Ursula and me liking the Housewives now. Oh, that's a great mm-hmm. observation. Like, I think we've uncovered something here mm-hmm. today. <laughs> it's like, it's a campy woman. Like, I like, I, I will always support that. So the Minions could, I think there is a movie where there is like a campy woman in the Minions franchise. I have not seen it. But mm, probably. I feel like I that mean, trope is, has stuck around. It's campy a good, it's a good trope. Like, it's there for a reason. Yeah. Let's make heroes sexy too. I mean, they yeah. are, but not in a campy way. Well, there are all those, um, like, memes of Mrs. Incredible. Oh. Because she she is, like, <laughs> I hate to say it, but kind of bodacious, you know? Like, it... She's well endowed. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> For she's... a suburban mom, she looks fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it is... It's crazy. The animation style of Disney sometimes is it's out out of control. I think, but even like I mean, you think about like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, like Jessica Rabbit. Yeah, that's too sexy. And also, she's yeah, I know it's her funny. married name, but she's like not a rabbit. misleading honestly it is it's a little misleading I guess I know why it happened but okay we need to move on to our second topic (laughs) like pivot out of this like I feel like the the listeners who are real freaks are gonna gonna love that segment um okay next topic uh summer squash slash zucchini does the governor need to be called Oh. oh food is culture um okay I would say the governor needs to be called because it's like year round like what's the deal with with like classifying a summer squash like there are fall squash winter squash are pretty predominant like summer squash are 
are good, but like they're around all the time. No, it's one of the great fallacies of the farmer's market. You can get one of those bad boys all year round. I don't like the taste personally either. Like I just don't see much value. (laughs) Yikes. I mean, I, do you like a watery <laughs> vegetable? A farmer's market. <laughs> well, I like a farmer's market. <laughs> I like, I'm not saying bad boys as in like the American agricultural industry. I'm saying like specifically summer squash and zucchini. I, I, I just, I don't really find them compelling in a dish. Okay. So I do love zucchini. I feel like I, I eat them a lot. I was having this conversation with, with my roommate, with Lindsay today, mm-hmm. where I, we recently acquired an air fryer and it's really exciting for us. Yeah. And I used it for the first time today, cooked up a batch of tofu. It worked beautifully. And then Lindsay posed a question. She was like, can you air fry zucchini? And I don't know the right answer to that. Like, I, I don't know. Is it going to get mushy? Is it going to burn? Like, how does one air fry a watery vegetable yeah that's the thing like I know um I don't know much about air fryers but with eggplant for example like similar similar (laughs) you have to pat it dry until it is like jerky before you fry it and somehow that doesn't make it like dry or tough when you actually fry it or bake it but like there's just so much water and that's okay actually you probably do the thing where you like sprinkle salt on it, which like oh. draws out the liquid, pat them dry, then stick them in the old air fryer. Yeah, that's smart. <laughs> and then they're flavorful. They have natural juices. But like, I, whereas eggplant, I do love eggplant that's cooked like that. Zucchini, summer Is it squash. Well, it's just too watery. Like, I don't like, I like, if I can't eat a vegetable and like it's a little raw and it tastes good ignore potatoes potatoes are not part of this like celery no. like cucumbers it's no celery and cucumber like that's that I enjoy actually a raw potato not to spoil the topic that we are going to get to later but one of my very vivid memories of reading the books that we're going about to talk about is the central protagonist eating a raw potato in tinfoil. Okay, this is so exciting because I have a couple of core memories from these books. Mm-hmm. And that that is one of them. Oh my god. Okay. So we'll we'll loop that. We'll loop that. We'll circle back with that. Okay. Um all right, last topic. Uh Emma Watson. Does the governor need to be called? Ooh. Okay. This like this hurts me to do. I saw her recently sitting like front row at some fashion show that was this week. And mm-hmm. I don't know what it was. I don't know what show. I don't know what she was wearing, but she looked not great. Okay. So let me tell you why I put this topic on because <laughs> of that. No way. She looked, she looked dismal. <laughs> like I, I really don't think she could dress herself, but like usually, usually she can't dress herself, but like, she wore faded black dark wash denim jeans to the front row of a, a Parisian fashion haute couture show. <laughs> Not even a belt. I, I thought it was really upsetting to look at. And I was just hey, like, this is great. Yeah. Like, I, I love her genuinely. I love her as a person, okay. as an advocate for a woman's rights, just all around. Yeah. Like she, she truly is. She's, she's great. I will say that that gave me pause when I saw her like that in the front row of a Parisian fashion show, which is terrible because that's literally like judging everything that, you know, I shouldn't and like, she stands against. <laughs> well, you can separate the activism from the clothes and all that. Like, I think there are a lot of really good actors and really good humanitarians who do not have a sense of personal style or presentation. And I, I think that is, Emma Watson is one of those people. Um, what do you love her in? I like, I, I'm not, I don't want to talk about the humanitarianism because like it is, it is exemplary work that she's been doing. Um, Basically, but as an actor and a celebrity, what oh, do you no. like her? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think 
probably because I can't actually even name something that she's in that's not Harry Potter. I don't think, mm-hmm. and even in Harry Potter, I mean, come on, was she an Emmy? And Jesus, an Oscar? No, actress? <laughs> no, she wasn't. She was also like nine, but whatever. Yeah, um, she's no, like so perfectly I would say fine. Yeah, she's fine. What what she's done with the fame that Harry Potter has afforded her, good for her. Because I think like, yeah, great. She went. She got like a college education, and she's like pursuing life as normally as she can when you grow up with that insane you know, situation, yeah. but yeah, as an artist, don't love, as a person that's using their platform, I appreciate it. Yeah, I can get behind all that, I can get behind all that, I did always think it was very funny that when she, she was a brown for one year, and then like, essentially got bullied out of brown, and like, she went back to the UK, I think, but um, whenever she would answer bullied? a question, well, whenever she would answer a question in class, someone would shout out 10 points for Gryffindor. <laughs> so. Okay, that's like objectively funny. But no, it is very funny. And like, I don't know why. I know that would get annoying, but that made me like her a little less because it's like, if you're transferring schools because of that, like you are taking yourself way too seriously. Okay, but she does. Like, come on. As a person, as Hermione, like, I think it's become part of her character. Yeah. I think that's just who she is. <laughs> there is, like, a grand tradition of young British actresses who are, like, incredibly self-serious. Like, Millie Bobby Brown, I think, has carried, picked up the Emma Watson torch very well. <laughs> I need to show, I need to, hold on, let me find I this picture. I have, like, picture. a whole other thing about Millie Bobby Brown. Oh, I think she... well, let's, let's hear it, because this is, ta- <laughs> we're talking right off the heels of Stranger Things, so let's talk about it. Okay, I don't think she was the best actress in Stranger Things, sue me. I just, and then you've, like, watched her, like, whole evolution, and I understand that's gotta be really hard to grow up in the public eye, but, like, dang, she is, she is embracing it. <laughs> no, she's really embracing it. Like, I... I think she's going to be a huge star that we are going to be talking about for a long time. But like, I'm not, I'm not super compelled by her either, necessarily. I did just send you two pictures um, to your phone of Millie Bobby Brown also speaking at the UN that I think are good for content. This is not a visual podcast, but like, <laughs> I'll post these photos on the Instagram page for the listeners so you can see what we're talking about. It's very Why does she funny. Look like that one Scooby Doo. Velma. Why does she play Velma? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it's the glasses. But, but oh my I, god, Velma, and then this is, do, do not tell me that this is not Sarah Palin. No, no, it's, it's, she is in full politician drag. Like, she showed it to, to the UN, like, she had a, a mood board. <laughs> like she, she borrowed Sarah Palin's and glasses. Mind <laughs> you, she's like, I think 15 or 16 in those photos. Like she is dressed like Madeline Albright. It's it is so funny. I think that's oh. I it's definitely self-serious, but it is like a little camp that like, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna go give a big speech and I'm going to dress like someone who is like five times my age. Like I, I yeah. really enjoy that. That's why I low-key like love the boys in Stranger Things because I feel like they're just like out there boys being boys, dudes yeah. being dudes. Like they're like young and and just like having fun on the press junket. But then you see her, I'm like, are you having fun? Like blink twice. <laughs> like, she you know, so allegedly her parents are really crazy stage parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like her managers. So I think there's a little bit of growing up too fast to it but I think she's also she's definitely like being positioned as the next big teen actor like I've or big actor period like I mean I think she's like 19 now like almost 20 like she um she's in a lot of movies that we would not really watch because they're all these like YA teen flicks like Enola Holmes and like Godzilla versus Kong but like she's the star of all those things like she and people younger my entire tiktok feed is millie bobby brown okay i watched enola holmes for henry cavill don't tell me that you did it 
I didn't I didn't watch it at all. I like Henry Cavill, but he's um I don't know. I just that movie didn't seem like it was for me, even as like a Sherlock Holmes lover. I will probably check it out though, because I love him. The moment in um, have you seen Mission Impossible? The one mm-hmm. he's in. Okay, there's a moment when he, in that movie in which he is like fighting someone in a bathroom and he like cocks his arms like a gun before throwing a punch. <laughs> that is one of the hottest, craziest things I've ever seen in a movie. Like I got, I, I think when I saw it in the theaters, I was like, <gasps> like truly shocking. Like he he has a, a free pass for that for life, so. Is he Sherlock? He's Sherlock in that. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, no, it's it's worthwhile. I'll check it out. I remember the days when like Sherlock as depicted on TV and film. Well, yeah, that was like the last gasp of like the like sickly, frail, pale, tall British men playing him. And I think that's how it should be. Not <laughs> trying to be a traditionalist, but like I it's agree. Like, I mean, that's when you that's what you think of when you think of like a man that is obsessed with solving crime and insanely smart and lives I mean, in rainy London. It is like the superherification of like all these genres because like we can't just have like n- normal character actory people. Like everyone has to be like Chris Pratt. Like Chris Pratt is gonna play like I don't know some like you Chicago economist in a movie like that's like where we're at like they're taking roles away from people from sickly tall british men yeah that's an uh, that's i can't even i can't even say it like they're not a marginalized community but they're definitely they're under they're creeping into being undervalued so it's like Save okay. them. All right, let's save, save them. them. Okay, I we need to take a break on that. So uh, <laughs> we will be right back. When the leaves turn brown, they come a tumbling down. Remember? Oh, it's autumn. There is a chill in the air and a chill in our podcast coffers. If you like Crisis Twink, consider donating a small monthly surcharge to the podcast that will help support the operating costs and just general good vibes of this enterprise. It's completely optional and you can donate as much or as little as you want, but much like Melissa Leo once said, consider. Stay warm. And we're back. Let's move on to this episode's cultural emergency. Roz, what are you rushing to the ER today? Okay, so I had to do a little bit of thinking about what, you know, cultural emergency I wanted to talk about. Mm. And something that really inspired me was Netflix released this new show called Snowflake Mountain, Mm -hmm. which is a show where you like throw a bunch of 20 something year olds into the wilderness and like they have to like compete to survive um and just really got me thinking about you know who my pioneer hero is and who is truly the best person um, Mm -hmm. to turn to for survival advice and that would be the dearly beloved laura ingles wilder oh perfect (laughs) And I feel like everyone kind of has, everyone who has read her books, notably, you know, Little House on the Prairie, Mm -hmm. Little House in the Big Woods, of note, um, just kind of has like this fondness for her and for like what she represents. And then when I brought this up to you, you had mentioned that it was kind of foundational in your life. And I feel like we all need to like talk about why it's been so foundational to us. It, it, these books I, I like I think especially because they were so big with our parents generation too like it's just one of those things get, that gets like transmitted down so how how did you kind of come into the little house on the prairie fandom I think that I like so I had the books I read them in elementary school I had the picture books um 
And I think that I thought that I was a pioneer girl for a long time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I was horse girl. I grew up in Montana. I just, I embodied all the stereotypes and I fully will accept those. But I really did think that I like could survive on a homestead. Yeah. (laughs) So much so to the point where like, I feel like I would like go outside and like construct a little house out of sticks and be like, it's not that hard. (laughs) Like anyone can do this. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just like have this fond association with, I don't know, with Laura and her like life growing up on the big prairie. And I feel like to like take a step back describe what these books actually are (laughs) yeah I guess we should like I it's it's crazy to me that people wouldn't know but I guess for people who don't Laura Ingalls Wilder I have her biography um pulled up right now was born in 1867 and she kept a series of diaries um of her life on the prairie her family moved from Wisconsin to Missouri to Kansas back to Wisconsin and then to (laughs) yeah Walnut Grove Minnesota which is the one where I feel like that that was her like big um and then to the Dakotas too yeah the one I always associated with Minnesota as my most of my family's from Minnesota so that's why I think part of it was so big for me because like it was so big for like my mom and even my grandma was like really really into it um but like she translated these diaries into they're not cool they're not works of fiction really like they're autobiography with like loosely fictionalized elements um and that's what got published in um I think like a 10 book series over yeah she just like kept writing yeah there's a lot of them because some of them are like she's a kid in some of them and then she meets her soon-to-be husband Almanzo which is a name that I have had a lifelong (laughs) fascination with because I I'm like you're not Italian your family's not Italian how did you get this name Almanzo but Almanzo Wilder that is a name I think I need to name a future I don't know animal or child oh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is my beautiful hermit crab almanzo <laughs> yeah <laughs> now it, it but then they they get old and they they have kids themselves and then the, the prairie cycle continues it, it goes on yeah. and i think what's so in about these books i feel like you know any kind of like young adult fiction series is important to help children like imagine things and like think about beyond themselves and I feel like these books do a really good job of that because like basically what they are are just like diaries of these people it's like struggling yeah <laughs> like they have some tough tough lives yeah and it's it's a struggle that most of us are not going to have to deal with with heat and you know, central air and all these nice amenities that are pretty standard to a house now. But I mean, I was looking through the Wikipedia summaries for some of these books earlier today, just as a refresher. And most of the struggles have to do with a lack of firewood, some kind of weird fever. Um, like, like Mary goes blind because of Scarlet. Oh, well, that, that was, that's a whole thing. That scarred me. I was yeah. like, oh my God, my sister's going to go blind and I have to watch out for her on the prairie. Yeah. Um, they all get malaria at some point. Like yeah. Paul almost dies in a blizzard. Like it just goes on and they lose their home in a fire. Like it really just, I'm like, dang, yeah. <laughs> life was hard. Very, very, very hard. But like there is sort of like a simple plaintive joy to a lot of it too that it it isn't you know they're all like written from the perspective of an old woman looking back at her life and really finding the childhood goodness of all of it that I think that's definitely one of the reasons why they've lasted for so long yeah for sure well and I think they just embody like you know that like childhood fascination of just like watching 
an adult do something that mm-hmm. you're like unfamiliar with. Like I feel like so much of her description in her books are just like pa, I don't know, like mod churning butter and mm-hmm. pa like building a barn. <laughs> you're just like, she goes on for pages about these descriptions which, you know, sounds kind of boring, but when you're reading it as a kid, you're like, oh, wow, like, that's crazy. I've never seen that happen. And I feel like some core memories are associated Mm -hmm. with those books, like the potato. Yeah. That potato, for whatever reason, has stuck with me for so long. Like, even not just the potato, like, her, like, sitting under this tree with, like, whatever little poor Irish kid she's with at the time. Like, it's something like that. Like, like just sitting at the base of the tree eating a raw potato and like she spends like a paragraph describing the taste of the potato yeah no I remember that I I really it that has really stuck with me for some reason that and also I don't know if you remember this but she describes making sugar candy Mm -hmm. like out of maple syrup like in detail and it's like they like harvest the maple syrup and then they like like cook it and do all the things you do for maple syrup and then they like make the candy by putting it in the snow and I was like I don't know why like I haven't read those books in decades but I'm like wow I remember that vividly (laughs) what does that say (laughs) well it like and those are not they're not really picture books either like some of them do have illustrations and stuff but like it is it's a testament to how good the writing is that these descriptions hold up so much even to this day like which is crazy considering it's like a childhood it's like a memoir of a childhood so like you're right you're remembering it yourself as the author so vividly that you can create that for other people that's that's a skill that a lot of writers do not have (laughs) yeah no it's true it's true and it's like I don't know I think it, it also like begs the question like why did they move so many times <laughs> well I mean they there were it like, seemed... it's this hard to like build a cabin and like build a house and like find fresh water they moved like 50 times I I think that is like something a child wouldn't know how to write about almost like something that like you just don't really know what's going on but you're like moving it, it, it would be interesting to hear or like go into like a real like biography of her to hear like all the historical context and like familial context about that stuff because yeah. the I so did you watch the tv show okay I didn't I did not see the tv show so the tv show was a very big part of my growing up as was the tv land ch- channel in general um <laughs> But we watched, um, my mom grew up watching it. So we would watch that and like the Waltons a lot. And I loved it. I really, the show is so good. Like it's kind of corny and cheesy. Like I've seen like episodes here and there as an adult. And like, it's definitely like a show for kids. But the little girl who plays Laura Melissa Gilbert is... Like, she was, like, a huge child star. She was, like, the Lindsay Lohan of the 1970s, essentially. Um, What is she up to these days? Like, I think she was the president of, like, the Screen Actors Guild. Oh, yeah, she was. She's, like, a politician. She ran for Congress in Michigan. Um, And then we, the dad in the show, Michael Landon, was, like, some Hollywood, big Hollywood guy at the time. And I always thought he was really hot. That was like a very formative <laughs> crush for me. Um, but so the TV show though, I would definitely recommend. And then we actually saw the musical, Little House. There was a the musical. Prairie. Not a very well-received one, but we went to the Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis to see it's like world premiere when I was in, I must've been in middle school at the time. But Melissa Gilbert, who played Laura on the TV show, play, was like one of the producers and she played Ma in the oh musical. Gosh. And then when it went to Broadway, she also played Ma. And I remember that very vividly. Okay, wow. Yeah. Look at that. Dang. And I, yeah, I mean, I didn't know that many other like guys my age who were into this show. Like it was definitely like a girl's thing, but it was 
Yeah. Okay, know. but I feel like it's Not like you also have that, that rugged individualism in you. You could survive. I'm wearing a denim shirt. That's that's about the so I well, okay. So I, I like what is your like pioneer experience? Because you sent me the snowflake mountain trailer and I was like, yeah, I could see her and like and like not like a full um what's that show where they go out to like Siberia oh and like have to like one of those survivalist shows like that seems a that little crazy. crazy for you but like I could see you on a snowflake mountain okay so the issue with snowflake mountain is that everybody in it is so annoying like they're all yeah. just like I watched the first episode and I, was like, I can't actually handle these people because like everyone's annoying because it's like the survival guides are the ones that are like challenging all these quote-unquote snowflakes who don't want to work and are lazy and like their parents have sent them out there it's very reminiscent of like mtv where you're like parents like parent switch mm. <laughs> you're like kids oh oh without... oh i know what you're t- um <laughs> wait 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 parents are you talking about the show where kids like switched with another set of parents oh i know remember what you're that? why can't i remember what that show's called it wife's no it isn't a wife swap no, it was like some MTV show where it was like your kids are misbehaving, and so you like ship them off to like some family oh. in the middle of nowhere, and like that like a wilderness, like sur- like a scared straight kind of thing. I've never kind heard of, of that yeah. actually. Yeah, like with like strict parents. I don't know. It was like an wow. MTV show for a hot second. We can do some research, but um, it kind of reminds me of that in the sense that like these kids were sent here by their parents to like straighten up and it just it's just so cringy to watch because they're like there's no running water there's how do we get food like and then the two like former army dudes that are running it are just like out there ragging on the youth and how they're lazy and I'm like these are just playing into every single stereotypes out there and I don't love it yeah so I would not be on that be on like real housewives of Montana yeah (laughs) (laughs) real housewives of Bozeman like like when they went skiing on the real housewives of Salt Lake I felt deep yeah (laughs) I was like okay this is great this is awesome I would a reality show about like the women of the wilderness like that that they can use that title if they want if they don't want to make it a housewives women of the wilderness like a bravo have at it um that is so fascinating to me like yeah. It just it's a, a a rugged woman on TV, I think is a very underrepresented genre these days, except for the pioneer woman herself. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Little House on the Prairie. Um, no, well, the one show that actually like came up for me when I was Laura Ingalls Wilder. And this show came out for one season when I was five, and it also struck with me. Uh-huh. It's called Frontier House. <laughs> okay, I'm looking at that. You've struck um, a bit of a chord. Okay, while it I'm looking a, it this was up. a PBS series. And uh-huh. it was like they took three families and they put them into the wilderness and they were like, you have five months to prepare yourself for a brutal winter. And they gave them pioneer clothes. They weren't allowed any communication. They weren't allowed, like, they had to use pioneer food and pioneer tools. And they just like forced them to like get ready. Yeah. And it was an, truly an insane show, like, when you think about it. And I think there were a couple of other spinoffs, like, they did it in, like, colonial times, like, like Colonial House, where you, like, you yeah. had to, like, live, like, a, I don't know. That, I, that I've definitely watched, for sure, because these were on, like, PBS, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah. Which has my whole heart and soul. Um, And I just remember that show, and the thing I remember about that show is that these girls on the show snuck shampoo in a honey jar and I was like iconic behavior (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny wait so like what what happens though like do do the producers punish them or like are the parents like you need to be pioneer yeah so there's like and I literally I I was digging into this because it it reminded me of it. Um, and so I was like watching the first episode and they have like a little honesty box that they had to like give up their like earthly belongings into this box before they got in their little covered wagons to travel to their pioneer homestead site. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, this is like 2002. So it's like blue eyeshadows really in yeah. and, like 
red lipstick. And so these like 14 year old girls are like pulling all this makeup out of their pioneer dress to like put in this honesty box. <laughs> it kills me. <laughs> the concept of an honesty box is very like, it's very pioneer. <laughs> like there's like, I mean, like the Laura Ingalls Wilder, like those books are definitely very Christian, but they're not like preachy about it. It's like a child's version of like simple prayer and stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Like can they I, needed all the help they could get. <laughs> can I read you the last sentence of the last episode description for this show Frontier House? Yes, please. Regarding one of the families, the Glens. They get divorced at the end of this. <laughs> the Glens have returned to Tennessee. They are told that while they would have been physically able to survive the winter, they were not psychologically ready to do so. <laughs> the Glens decide to separate as their marriage has suffered during their stay on the homestead. <laughs> <laughs> the show read for one season in a tour of family apart that is that is outrageous oh god i'm crying oh my god <laughs> that is negligent pbs ruins lives it's truly like the first reality tv show it was on pbs like i I love it. I love it so much. It was ridiculous. 2002 was such a lawless time for reality TV because people just didn't, we have a lot of standards and practices in place now that prevent (laughs) on getting extremely psychologically damaged people on TV or like really like, like you can't say like nasty things to each other to the degree that you could, but like I, um, when I had COVID a few months ago, I watched a lot of Survivor seasons from like 2002 through 2004. Um, And like the way people have psychological breakdowns on those kinds of shows are just like, I I, I, like you couldn't do that these days. Like I'm like, it's not there. No one's at like a a level of like marriages breaking apart but like it's just such a lull it is it's frontier territory it's the, it's the wild did. wild west yeah this is insane to me so literally i have their rules i have their rules that they set for the show it was like mm-hmm. you agree to abide by a set of rules which include the following wearing period appropriate clothing preparing and eating period appropriate food using mm-hmm. period appropriate equipment Communicating with the outside world only through the postal service at the remote country store or via telegraph. Yeah. <laughs> and this is what kills me. 9-11 happened during the filming of this show. Shut, shut up. And instead of letting them like watch news, they delivered them newspapers about 9-11 attacks. <laughs> I would pay everything to get my hands on whatever prop <laughs> newspaper they did that was like the World Trade Center fell. <laughs> that I need I need to find this show to watch because this is this is like one of the craziest things I've ever heard. Like, how could they get away with all this? I don't know. It's insane. PBS did this, not even MTV. <laughs> like, I could see like MTV, like putting frontier house before like rock of love or something but pbs the nation our tax money funded this yeah america's a failing state but that that's that we should have a museum about for sure oh my god Uh, have you ever been to like any of these like frontier museums or like or just like reenactment museums in general because that is something i've always had like a big fascination with Oh yeah. Yeah. No, we had one in my hometown um, mm-hmm. attached to the museum. And like, I would have friends that would like work there for the summer. Yeah, They'd be like, going to go be the, the blacksmith at the Pioneer House. That's fun though. <laughs> no, it's so fun. It's a really cute way to do it. And like, obviously like they're volunteers, like it's so fun. Um, and you're and from honestly, a cool like, part of the country too. Like you're, I mean, you're essentially from cowboy country, which is a pioneer is <laughs> one thing, but like cowboy, that's, way cooler 
it it is really cool like yeah. I love Montana I love Bozeman unfortunately like the rest of the world has also discovered it and the rest of the world loves it and like we're talking about you know the throwback pioneers and now like we have shows like Yellowstone and all the precursors to Yellowstone that are like based mm-hmm. in Montana and people are going nuts for these shows yeah like They're- every time I get on a plane home people are like oh my god like have you watched Yellowstone we're here because of the show and I'm like can you leave (laughs) they're the most popular scripted shows on tv right now which I've never I don't know anyone who watches them personally I probably will eventually because I well Faith Hill is in the new one so (laughs) I mean I love I love Faith Hill. It's set, so. <laughs> it's set at the same time as Laura Ingalls Wilder. So it's all, oh. all related. I didn't know that. I thought I thought she was being like a fun, like modern cowboy slash businesswoman who gets what she wants. So she's in like period garb. So so there's like Yellowstone, which is like the fun, like yeah, modern day. That's the one with like, the Kevin Costner and Kelly Riley. Yes. yes. And then there's 1883, which is like the precursor to like how the family came to own that ranch in Montana. And, and I'm pretty sure she's in oh, with Tim McGraw. Well, I'll still watch probably, but that I I'm the idea of Faith Hill in like a hoop skirt. That's a little less fun for me. So she doesn't get to sing. Mm, I don't know. I haven't okay. seen it. <laughs> I like it when when act or when singers go on movies or TV shows, and because they can sing, the show shoehorns a way for them to do like a little musical number. And if Faith Hill isn't singing this kiss in the middle of Montana in 1883, I'll be honest. I'm a little less likely to watch that but I would be so good though <laughs> I need to have a word with the show she, or she maybe she has like a dream sequence where somehow it's 1999 <laughs> and she's like where am I but she has a karaoke mic in her hand and then the the string starting and she's like I, I began to breathe like that I would like I would love that I would love it. They work in some time travel element. Yeah. <laughs> or like just cut out the middleman. Like they revive Little House on the Prairie of the Musical, which I haven't even, it's terrible. Like the songs are like really, really, really bad. And the only one I remember is a song that is the same line over and over and over again, which is also the title of the song, I'll Be Your Eyes. It's about... <laughs> oh, it's about laura sings it with mary um and she says she'll be her eyes (laughs) yeah i mean i would like i would like faith hill to play ma i guess i'd have faith hill play laura i just something like it's not hot take mom is kind of the worst (laughs) yeah but not on the um in the tv show though she's really um she's good I don't remember what that actor's name is Karen Grassel she's not she's fun and sweet like she was a fun tv mom you know who was a real awful person truly the worst was Nellie Olson (gasps) the nemesis the nemesis she was an actual prairie nemesis (laughs) yeah not a prairie home companion the, the quite the opposite even um that was like like, why did we stop talking about prairie home companion like well because garrison keeler got me too oh yeah that's why that's why (laughs) (laughs) anyway anyway (laughs) oh got it i I, we should stop talking about prairie companion anyway um (laughs) Nellie Olson was one of my first literary exposures to people being like huge bitches to other people for absolutely no reason at all. Like, like because I worst. the she worst. turned the teacher against Laura. I, it was it was a it was one it was a it was pure villainy. And on the TV show, she gets redeemed a little bit, like. 
she's kind of like a fun Regina George type on the TV show, but like still terrible. But I, I it, it was like so nasty. And I really wonder what the real Nellie was like to Laura, because I feel like Laura's like really playing it up. Like she just like hated this girl and she was like, I'm going to make, I hope she's reading this. I hope she didn't die of like diphtheria in 1895 and she's alive to see this now. <laughs> like, I just like, I don't, because like, I feel like you were so busy with menial things. Like, how did you have time to be mean? Like, how did you have time <laughs> to be like a total bitch when you're like out there like churning butter butter like on the fields doing your barn like oh shit your burn your barn burns down we gotta rebuild it like oh your cow dies like shit like how did you know like bully someone i mean maybe maybe you're taking the travails and the trials and the tribulations of being on the prairie every day and channeling that into pure evil like that stress has to have a release somewhere you know <laughs> But, but I agree. And like, <laughs> I feel like, oh no, go on, please. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, do you remember when, speaking of trials and tribulations, um, that they were in a rush to build a door for their cabin because mm-hmm. the wolves were coming? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> things were really serious back then. They just were. I mean, you know, we have a lot of problems in modern times, but thank God wolves isn't one of them. That's the the last thing we need. Oh, (sighs) God. Me. (laughs) I can't. Okay, I we do need to move on, but like, is there anything else we need to talk about? I like, I really, if if you have not at least read one of these books or watched an episode of the TV show, I implore you, the listeners, to go seek one out because it is, it, it, they're just very well-written books and the TV show is good, but like, they will imprint on you in a way that few other books will. And go watch Frontier House. <laughs> go watch. Oh, please go watch Frontier House. That's not. Uh, did you watch Kid Nation? I didn't watch Kid Nation, but like that was okay. No. That was like kids being cowboys on a ranch left to their own devices. It was like oh, Survivor awesome. era. You can find it on YouTube. I'm pretty sure. Um, so I, I maybe I'll go seek out that too. Um, and what else did I have? Oh yeah, fuck Sarah Plain and Tall. That was my last note on all of this. So, um, all right, we need to move on to our final segment, Tear the Community Apart. The rules are simple. I've picked two songs and you're going to tell me which one is better. Ooh. Easy. Ooh, okay, here we go. So these two songs are two of the biggest songs of the last two years, both number one hits in both the US and the UK by British straight male artists both of these songs are songs you would hear at a cvs or a walgreens but maybe also out of the club as well um pretty mid but tolerable anthems bops that are polite innocuous in their sensations and feelings which song is better as it was by harry styles or bad habits by ed sheeran oh that's hard actually yeah that's pretty difficult it's like choosing between like haagen vanilla or like ben and jerry's vanilla it's like yeah mm. like just so similar such bops like british <laughs> yeah um okay i would say oh gosh this kills me i think i'm gonna go with as it was okay yeah, I just, you know, it's relatable. It's Harry. Ed hasn't been giving me a lot lately, you know? Like, the good mm-hmm. song, but, like, beyond that. I like both of those songs just fine. If you had to make me, if this was a referendum on the singers themselves and just, like, who they are as celebrities in the body of work, I would pick Harry. But I mean, like I've said it before on this podcast, Harry does not give me what I need usually musically. Like it's very like Maroon 5-ish. Yeah, that's a fair point. But what do you think of him as like a celebrity? 
And do you like his music? I don't really know your music taste like a, super deeply, I will say. So. I would say no. Like I um, like to be surprised by Harry. Like everyone's, and again, like when Watermelon Sugar came out, I was like, who is this? Oh, it's Harry. Like kind of happened again with, <laughs> with as mm-hmm. it was. It's like yeah. it's played incessantly. And then eventually you're like, I guess I should know this song because yeah. everybody knows this song. So no, I would say that puts me at a very low, uh, <laughs> low fan level for Harry yeah. Styles. Um, like, I mean, I love him and go to like all of his concerts and like follow him around on his tours. And like, I love that for them. I just, I just probably wouldn't join. Yeah, I, I, I agree with all this. We know we have a lot of like One Directioners and Harry fans in our friend group. And I just can't, I cannot put myself in the shoes of someone who gets that excited about Harry Styles. I- I'm excited for some of his acting stuff that's coming up. But like, mm, yes, mm. me too. Me too. Ed Sheeran, I historically do not like it all, though. Bad Habits, I think, is my favorite Ed Sheeran song. It's a good song. But like, it's a jam. Anyone could have written it, though. It's like it's like that's Sheeran fair. proof, like. Like the bones of the song are so good that like maybe if Harriet's saying that, I would be getting my life a little bit more than I'm getting it now. And I wouldn't I, say I that I'm say, getting my life a ton. I was surprised that that song was Ed. Like I yeah. think that's one of the things where I was like, oh, this came from Ed Sheeran. Like what? Well, that's um, kind of where we all were with Shape of You too. But that song wasn't supposed to be his. Like he wrote it for Rihanna. I didn't know that. And she passed on it. And he was like, well, I guess I'll just do it. Because like, because he he is like a, a big songwriter for other people. And he's written stuff I like. Like he was, he's written stuff for Taylor that I really enjoy. But like, I don't yeah. know. He seems like one of those people who must be like, famous people must really enjoy hanging out with him. Because I don't really know how he keeps getting like all these big collabs and like, like he has a song with Beyonce. What? No. Yes, perfect. Like they're in just like two different worlds. Like yeah. I just like can't like when I picture that man, I picture him like honestly like dropping acid home next to like a cozy fireplace. Like yeah. I just like don't see him like out and about socializing with all the celebrities that he's socializing with. It, it, he like he, there are some like compellingly weird things about him, and I feel like. Like he married a former Duke field hockey player, which I will always support that. Like, get the bag. And he named his daughter after. Do you read like the His Dark Materials books, like Golden Compass? Okay, those are great books. If people have not read those, they're like Narnia ish kind of. They're really good. But he named his daughter after the main character from Golden Compass, which I was like, okay, like that's kind of like you definitely like like, have read cool things. Yeah. But like, why do you make music that sounds like this? But I don't think, I don't think um, men make good pop music. And I've said that before on this podcast. So you have it. I actually agree with you on that. Yeah. Like, I think, I think I love honestly male folk music and female pop music. I, I agree. Yeah. I like male alt rock. I'm like, like, I mean, if you sent me to like a vampire weekend concert or a killers concert, I would have so much fun. But like an Ed Sheeran concert, hmm. even a Harry concert, I don't think I'd win. Especially because he I like think it, it would be like, ruined by the fans. Yes, like, and I don't like that Harry Styles. Like, you don't have to comment on this, but like, I don't, I don't like that he like pretends to be gay. I think that's annoying as fuck to do. So, yeah, I went to a Taylor Swift concert by accident once. <laughs> Well, that's not accidental. Like that sounds fun. I, we Taylor's no, and it was like it yeah. was so fun. And obviously, her shows are so much fun. But we truly were next to the world's most annoying fans. Yeah, and I was like, this is where I think Harry could be challenging. Well, Swifties are definitely challenged in ways. Like I, I think that 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 like I'm not in a stand community that runs so deep to the point of like complete 
mental illness. I was really trying to find a different way to say that, but I'm not taking that out. I, but I, I like to quote the, to quote the late great Wendy Williams, Swifties are weird. <laughs> so I think that we'll just leave it at that. So, okay. Well, we do have to wrap up. Roz, thank you so much for being here. I, 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 I think I have cried laughing more times during this episode than I have in any episode prior to now. So <laughs> thank you for, thank you for doing this. Um, this has been so much fun. Thanks for having me. And I, the listeners have so many recommendations for things to seek out. So I really hope people take that up. Um, if you would like to be found on social media, where can people find you? Uh, my Instagram is at Rozkutch, R-O-Z-K-U-T-S-C-H. I'll try to drop some hot prairie takes every now and then. Awesome. <laughs> um, you can find me on Instagram at Drew Haskins with Z's, on Twitter at FKA Pigs with the Z, and follow at Crisis Twink Pod on Instagram and Twitter for direct updates from the podcast. And I said I was going to do this this episode. I never do it. Please, 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 please take 30 seconds to go rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, Google, like wherever you listen to your podcast, it really helps. Um, And we also have a listener support option here on Crisis Tank where you can choose to make an optional recurring monthly donation or one-time donation, I think, of any fee that you would like to keep the operating costs of this podcast low. So that's the good. Okay, I did it. All right, I, 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 I never do that. And it actually sounded coherent and good. Good job. It was beautiful. So, okay. Well, on that note, <laughs> we're done. All right. Bye, everyone. Like what you just heard? Go to the show notes and whatever podcast app you're listening to this on and click the donation link.